0: The patience in Galatians 5.22 literally means long temper in the sense of the ability to hold one's temper for a long time. The King James Version translates it as long suffering. A patient person is able to endure much pain and suffering without complaining. A patient person is slow to anger as he waits for God to provide comfort and punish wrongdoing. Since it is a fruit of the Spirit, we can only possess patience through the power and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. James urges believers to be patient and not to complain as we wait for Jesus to return. James holds up the prophets as models of patience. The opposite of patience is agitation, discouragement, and a desire for revenge. God does not want his children to live in agitation, but in peace.
1: Well, we talked, uh, I think this might be the wrong one. No, it's right. Very good. So, we, uh, we talked about uh, peace last week, and this week we're talking about patience. Here's the definition. The definition of patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset or, uh, or being afraid. Uh, when I was returning from Greece last month, the plane that was leaving Athens was two hours late, and the problem is, is that I only had two hours uh, to make my connection to London, and so as you can imagine, by the time I arrived in Frankfurt, the uh, my my flight. Actually, someone said to me, "Hey, look, there's our flight taken off." <laughs> we we were we were taxiing to the airport terminal, and there was our plane taken off. Well, uh, we missed our connection, and we had to wait in line to make new arrangements, and. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been to Frankfurt before, but they don't have a lot of, of people uh, waiting to sort people out. So there's literally a line of about 250 people all waiting in line. Uh, I was actually amazed at that fights didn't break out, but uh, there was a German guy in front of me who was extremely angry that he had missed his connection, and he was muttering, and he kept shaking his head, and he kept scowling and muttering something in German. I was, I was wishing I could remember my German. And uh, he even kicked the wall. <laughs> and I thought, man, I wouldn't wanna be on his bad side. And uh, this morning, as I was meditating on patience, I was thinking of, of Dennis uh, and Pastor Andrew and Elijah and David going off to Burundi and thinking, Dennis, this is going to be a test for you uh, to prove what a godly elder you are. (laughs) And, And Pastor Andrew too. Here's what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. Hey, does this sound like you? Does it sound like your wife? Does it sound like your husband? Crickets. Paul says, we have been beaten... We've been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion. We endured sleepless nights and gone without food, and we flew Air Canada. (laughs) No, it doesn't say that. It's WestJet. (laughs) And then Paul says this. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. Folks... People are watching you, and there's a reason why Christians so often are accused of being hypocrites, is because while we profess a love for Jesus and we profess a commitment to Christ and we confess that we uh, are born again, so often the way that we live does not prove that we belong to Jesus Christ. In fact, it proves something else. If you are not patient then it's clear that you are not Spirit-controlled. Now, you didn't come to church here to be condemned this morning, and that's not what I'm doing. Remember that the Apostle Paul has given us this checklist called the fruit of the Spirit to help us understand where we are at spiritually and to help us determine if something is wrong in us or not. I told you before that that we all need to memorize the fruit of the Spirit? Everybody's memorized it right? Is that right? Four people? You promised me you would. You promised. How many memorized the fruit of the Spirit? Very good. Judy, come up here and tell. No, I won't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. We we memorize this so that we can see what's going on in our lives. And if we find that something's missing, that something's not right, for instance, if we find that we're impatient, then we know that something's not right and that we need to get before the Lord and we need to allow him to show us what needs to be changed, what needs to be uh, repented of, where we need to find forgiveness. And so this is the power of this wonderful checklist. And you remember I said... That, that the fruit of the Spirit is singular. When it talks about fruit, it's, it's in the singular, which means it's all or nothing, baby. So we, we produce all of it, or we're, we're not walking in the Spirit. So someone can't say, for instance, you know what, I have, I have most of the fruit of the Spirit, except I'm I have, having a hard time loving my, my brother. Well, baby, if you, if you don't love your wife or love your husband or love your brother, your sister, your children, then you don't have the fruit of the Spirit working in you. You don't have it. You're missing it. If you're lacking self-control, then something's missing. You're not walking in the Spirit. Now, I just need to remind everybody that the fruit of the Spirit is of the Spirit. It's not of yourself. It's not something that you can work on. So if it's missing, you don't say, well, I've got to work harder. I'm being more patient. What you have to do is get before God and say, God, I need to repent of my sin. I need to be cleansed. And as you repent of your sin, and as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, then you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So do you notice that? It's not you that produces it. It's the Spirit that produces it in you. Very important to understand that. Because if you don't understand it, well, you're just like anybody else that doesn't know Christ. It's something that you are trying to attain to in your own energy, in your own wisdom and strength. So, as we study this incredible gospel that's found in the book of Galatians, we find that Paul's teaching is built upon the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. So, when you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Ephesians, it says that the Holy Spirit in us is the seal, it's the proof, it's, it's the guarantee that you belong to Christ, that you are born again, that when you die, you'll go to heaven. That's the guarantee. But wait, there's more. When you become a Christian, not only does the Holy Spirit seal you that says you belong to Jesus, but now the Holy Spirit in you starts producing in you fruit that pleases God. And Jesus, if you remember, in, in John chapter 16, He tells us that if we don't produce fruit, then that's evidence that that we are not connected to Christ. We need to, as Jesus puts it, we need to abide in Christ, abide in the vine. So, folks, it's really critical that you get that. You can't produce this fruit in your own wisdom, in your own strength. You may, once in a while, be able to get most of them or get some of them, but ultimately, you can't produce this fruit without the work of God in you. So Paul tells us in Galatians 5:16, walk by the spirit, and in Galatians 5:25, live by the spirit and keep in step with the spirit. In Galatians 6:8 he says, sow to the spirit. What, what's he talking about? He's talking about making sure that we have this walk with God, this relationship with God. This is why, for years, we said that the number, one, the number one habit of a believer, of a Christian, is that he has a daily walk with God. You are daily connecting to God. You're daily praying. You're daily reading the Bible. That's what it means to abide in Christ. Now, we're talking this morning about patience. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, that word patience uh, is the word makrothumia. There's two Greek words that are translated as patience. The other one is hippomoni, which means remaining under. It refers to dedication in times of difficulty. It's, It's endurance. It's hanging in there when you don't feel like it. But what we're talking about here is something a little bit different. Macrothumia uh, comes from, it's actually a compound word. It comes from "macros," which means long, and thumos, which means passion or temper. And that's why if you uh, have a King James Bible, it translates it as long-suffering. It's a, it's a perfectly good word. The problem is, is it's a little archaic, and we have a hard time understanding what it means. It would be maybe a good idea to use that word so that we get the true meaning of patience. But patience literally means the ability to hold one temper for a long time the way that God does. Remember, the Bible often describes God as what? Slow to anger. And this is what what the Scripture is telling us. We need to be like God. We need to be slow to anger. So a patient person is enabled by the Spirit to stand much pain and suffering without complaining. Right? Unlike so many of us in that airport in Frankfurt. I was supposed to make my connection, and I had to stay overnight, which I didn't mind too much because I'd never stayed in Frankfurt before. (laughs) And they were willing to pay for the taxi to the hotel, they are willing to pay for the hotel, and they are willing to pay for my breakfast, which is really all that I need, right? And so I was very patient. A patient person slow to anger as he waits for God to provide comfort and also to punish wrongdoing. I asked the the, the clerk who was helping me rearrange my tickets. I said, So how can we fix this? She said, Well, it's going to be like this all summer. In fact, it's going to happen all over the world. Look at if in Germany flights are delayed and they've got problems, then I'm telling you, we're all in trouble. <laughs> Germany is known for its efficiency. Everything runs on time. And the girl says, well, the only thing I could think that we could do is fire the CEO of Lufthansa. <laughs> I, she was very patient, and I tried to be patient too. Now, look at this. Since patience is the fruit of the Spirit, we can only possess macrothumia this long-suffering through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But here's what you and I need to do. You and I need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Anybody watch um, Sesame Street when you were a kid? And what was, what was, yeah, you did? What was one of the things that you learned about? You learned about cooperation, right, right? This is what we're talking about here. We're talking about cooperation. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Next time you are faced with something that's trying your patience, testing your patience, the first word I want you to, the first thing I want you to have pop into your mind is cooperation. I need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit now. Folks, okay. This is the difference between being spirit-led, spirit-controlled, and being just the, like anybody else. As Christians, we we have been brought to life. In theological terms, we've been regenerated. We've been brought to life by the Spirit. And the Spirit has come to dwell in us. And the Spirit wants to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit wants us to be like Jesus. Get it? And we are going to cooperate with the Spirit. You have a decision to get angry, lose your temper. You have a decision you're going to get even, take revenge, punish, make your thoughts known to everybody, make sure everybody knows how mad you are by kicking the wall. Or you're going to cooperate with the Spirit. Because I can tell you this, that in that moment, when you are tempted to lose your temper... The Spirit of God is there, and he's literally saying to you, are you ready to act like a Christian? Are you ready to act like Jesus? Think about that. Because that is what makrothumia is. That's what the patience that we're talking about is. It's to be patient like Jesus, to cooperate with the Spirit so that you are producing in your life the very attitude and actions of Christ himself. So here's what you and I need to understand about this kind of patience. uh, Hippomonee uh, refers to a patience where you are just sort of, uh, you are literally under, under the control of somebody else, but here, you're the one that's in control. The patience that we're talking about here is a patience that comes from a position of power, where you can actually decide how you're gonna act or react. My son Jesse, before he became a a, a plumber, pipe fitter, he worked at Rona, and he said, Dad, the most brutal work in the world is working with the public. He worked in the plumbing section, and he said, I would be face-to-face with somebody, talking to somebody, and some nasty lady would walk up and say, excuse me, excuse me, and try to interrupt him as he's trying, he said, I said, ma'am, I'm talking to somebody right now. I just need to a quick answer to something. And he said, this would go on every day, day in and day out. So I said, well, how did you react? Did you ever get angry? He said, well, inside, I sure got angry. <laughs> but he hated it. He absolutely hated the work because of the rudeness of people. So I said to Jesse, Jesse, you reflected Christ. Even though inside you felt angry, you you kept yourself under control. Now, this is really what we're all going through. Because I know some of you are sitting here thinking, well, I can't live like this. And, And of course, the answer to that is, of course you can't. But God working in you will enable you to be patient with those whom you think are maybe not worthy of your patience. So the patience that we're talking about here comes from a position of power where you can govern yourself... You can decide, am I going to explode at somebody or am I going to be nice? Am I going to be nasty to that agent that works for Luthansa or am I going to be kind to her? I was watching the people in front of me yelling at this poor girl, screaming at her, and she just sat there. Said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I'm... She's taking responsibility for the, for the flight delay in Athens. How, I mean, this is incredible patience with people. I was tempted to ask, are you a Christian? <laughs> What makes you so patient with people? I had a decision to make. I'm functioning from a position of power. I can get angry at her. I can tell her off. What a terrible airline Lufthansa is. How dare you be late? and you treat me like this? I was especially shocked when she said, Sir, I found another seat for you, but it's maybe. I said, well, what do you mean by maybe? Well, she said... Um, You're the first one on the list of standby. Does anybody know what standby is? That means that if there's a seat open, you get it. And I'm the first one that's gonna get that seat. I think, is this good news or bad news, or what kind of news is this? (laughs) I'm not actually gonna I'm not actually being promised a flight out. I said, well what happens if I don't get on that flight? She said, sir, you could be here for days. (laughs) You could be in Germany for days. I don't mind one night. So I thought to myself, well, here's here's an opportunity to be a Christian. So I said, well, thank you very much for making that effort. I appreciate that. And let's hope and let's pray that I get a seat on that flight. Losing patience, my friends, is a sign of spiritual weakness. You're in a position of power. Your your child spills his milk. Are you going to fly off the handle and say, you idiot? You're just like your father. Are you going to say that? Are you going to be patient with your son or daughter? Patience comes from a position of power. You can choose to love and be kind to the one who is letting you down or who is testing your patience, or you can explode. You can get angry. You can retaliate. Folks, the patience that pleases God is the patience that reflects Jesus Christ. Think of Jesus and how often he did miracles, and still the disciples were having a hard time believing. And he shakes his head, said, you are so slow to believe. You still don't trust me. You still don't believe. And yet Jesus did not send them away and say, you idiots. You've been with me for three years. You still don't have it right. You're done. I'm getting a whole new batch of disciples. You stupid idiots, I'm getting a whole new batch of kids. (laughs) I'm getting new children. No, we're patient with them. We love them. We embrace them. We are Christ-like. And even when all the disciples deserted Christ, when it came to his crucifixion, when he was resurrected from the dead, he didn't say, you know what you see? I told you it was going to be okay, but you didn 't believe me, and i 'm done with you he didn 't do that. He kept on being patient, having being long suffering and that 's what God does with you and me. now think of how patient God has been with you and me, folks. God is our example of what patience is. this is what what Paul says to the Romans is, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does anybody see that, how patient God is with you? Or is it just me that sees that about myself? You see that? God is so patient with us. In fact, I don't know how God could be so patient with me. Paul says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended, intended to turn you from your sin? If this is what God does for us, then it behooves us to be patient with others. Peter says, 2 Peter 3.15, and remember our Lord's patience. Our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. So think about that. Next time you want to become impatient with your boss with the people that you work for or the people that you're serving or with your kids or your spouse. Just remember how patient God has been with you. Has God been patient with you? And if he has been patient with you, just say amen. Well, it doesn't sound very exciting. Has God been patient with you? Amen. He's been patient with me. And because he's been patient with me, I am going to be patient with you the people of my church with my family with my wife my children i'm going to even be patient with total strangers because that's what it means to be christ-like now what is our error well first you need to understand something patience when we're patient it it reflects a total faith and trust in god does everybody get that when you're patient what you're saying is, I trust God. When we're impatient, what do we want to do? We want to take control. Here, get, get, out of the, get out of the airplane. I'm going to pilot this thing. I'm going to get us back to London on time. We want to take control. And so here's the, one of the very first things that we do when we are impatient. We become angry. Isn't that right? So that's that's something that we do. Become angry. Now, why do we become angry? Because we've lost control of our environment. We've lost control of our circumstances. We've lost control of our kids. We've lost con- that guy cut me off. I've, I can't control that guy that just cut me off. And so my reaction is anger. So you're going to either become angry or you're going to be patient. Now, when you are are trying to get control of everybody and everything and get control of the church. I've got to control of the pastor. I got to, I, we've had people like that. i got to control everything. What, what are you saying? You're saying, I don't trust God to be in control. God, God, he's a great guy, but he just doesn't know what he's doing. He needs my help. I better step in and I better get things under control. I not know what I'm talking about. When you're patient, what you're saying is, God, I trust you. I trust that you are sovereign. God, I trust that you are in control. God, I trust that you know what you're doing. How many know that God knows what he's doing? How many know that God knows what he's doing all the time? In fact, how many know today that God is sovereign over all things? That's what the word of God teaches us. But the minute that you, you become impatient and become angry, you're saying now, I got to take control. I don't trust that God's going to be in control. Something else that happens. We become anxious and fearful, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to miss my flight, I'm going to miss my flight, oh no, I better chew my fingernails off, because that will help. And you become anxious, you become fearful, the reason you are not patient is because you're anxious that God's not going to come through for you. How many of know that God always comes through for us? Not the way you want it, necessarily. But because we understand that he's sovereign, we know that God knows what he's doing, and we know that God is good, right? God is good all the time. Yeah. And for that reason, for that reason alone, I can be patient and if you feel like you've got to take charge because God can't handle things, then you're not a patient person. Remember what we learned last week, that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Jesus says in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Why do we keep doing that? Because we don't trust God. The one who is... Truly controlled by the Spirit is the one who trusts God, and because you trust God, therefore, you're able to be patient. Something else that we do when we, when we are impatient is that we we become discouraged. You're not patient because you've lost courage in the Lord, and you feel like God doesn't take care, doesn't care about you, and He won't take care of you. But But we know contrary, because the Scripture tells us That the promise of God is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, for this reason, the psalmist says in Psalm 42, verse 5, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So, there's no need for you to be discouraged. Just be patient with God, be long suffering. God's got it under control. What you need to do is say, God, encourage me by your spirit. Let your courage surge through me that I may bring glory to your name. Something else that happens is that you, you, need to take, you feel like you need to take revenge. Paul says to the Romans in Romans 12, 19 and 20, he says, dear friends, never take revenge. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about revenge, Right? Some people, when you think I'm talking about revenge, when you talk about revenge, you're thinking, i got to get back at him before he gets back at me and just let him have it. Paul says, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. How many you know that your anger is not righteous? For the Scripture says, I will take re- revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Or we could substitute enemies. If your kids are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And Paul says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Think about the Lord Jesus. What did he do? He's hanging from the cross. They've just beat him and beat him and beat him. They have mocked him. He's he's hanging naked. He's got a crown of thorns on his head. Blood is gushing out of his back. It's pouring down his forehead and his cheeks. His arms are spiked to a cross. His feet are spiked to a cross. And he looks down at these people who have embarrassed him, who have beaten him and mocked him. And you know what he says? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, if Jesus who went through such suffering and pain, who could spread his arms out and allow himself to be spiked to the cross. And you heard me right. He allowed himself. Remember, we're talking about a patience that comes from power. Jesus did not hang powerlessly on the cross. He went joyfully to the cross because of his love for us. And in so doing, he was patient with the very ones who spiked them to that cross. So, folks, don't get angry and don't become discouraged and don't be anxious and fearful and don't take revenge. Be like Jesus, be utterly and completely long suffering. Don't lose your temper. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> It's easy to talk about this, but to put it into practice, that's a completely different story. And yet, this is how God has called us to live. But he calls us to live this way in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Lacking, being lacking in patience is not charming. You know, we often talk about grumpy old men. Ha <laughs> ha, aren't they cute? It's not cute. It's a sin. And so Paul tells us in Romans 12, 21, he says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And so you and I, in our impatience, in our long-suffering, we will be tempted to take revenge. We'll be tempted to get angry. We'll be tempted to, to tell somebody off. We'll be tempted to become anxious and fearful. But Paul says, don't. Don't let evil conquer you, but instead... Conquer evil by doing good, doing what is right, doing what is godly. Patience is evidence of self-control, which we'll talk about in the ninth week of our series. Being patient with others is a way to conquer evil. Did you know that? Because there are, I, I'm not denying that there are people who are purposely setting out to hurt you, to offend you, to discourage you, to be mean to you, and to put you down. There's lots of people like that. And I've heard, I've heard pastors say, well, you know, God doesn't call you to be a doormat. And so that, by the way, is permission then for you to get, to get even or get back at them. But I don't see any verse in the Bible that talks about, about not being a doormat. It's just not there. No, we conquer evil, by doing good. And so Jesus, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? He says, love your enemies. What? This is crazy talk. Yeah, it's crazy to people who are not Christians, but those of us who have been born again, those of us who have been born of the Spirit are those who produce this fruit of the Spirit that reflects the very nature of Christ. Yeah, be nice to your enemies. Love them, Jesus says. What love them? In fact, pray for them, bless them. You'll blow their minds. They won't know what to do with that. It's a way to conquer evil. Paul says in Colossians three twelve: Since God chose you to be holy people, He loves you. Must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So, folks, being patient is not an option. It's not. You don't pick and choose from that list what things you're going to be or what things you're not going to be. No, since God chose you to be holy, you need to be patient. And by the way, in case you didn't make the connections here, let me connect the dots for you. Being patient, Being patient with people is a way to be holy. That's what makes us holy. That's what makes us set apart for God's purposes. When you're impatient, then you are not living as holy people. I'm gonna, can I just be honest with you? I mean, anybody who's known me for any length of time, you'll agree with what I'm about to say. Of everything on the fruit checklist, patience is the one virtue that most challenges me. If I'm going to be unChristlike, then this is where it's going to happen, in the area of patience. Am I the only one in the room like this? Is there anybody else that would say, Pastor, don't feel bad. I'm with you on this. There's a few people. Oh, I love you. Oh, let's go for lunch. Okay. You know <laughs> Now you're trying my patience. <laughs> this is a tough one. But you need to understand that patience is a form of love. It's an expression of love. When you are patient, you are being loving. My wife is so dear and sweet. She, she puts her arms around me. She says, Alan, I know there's some, some things that you're impatient about, but they're little things. She says, but when it really counts, you are the most patient man I know. Isn't she wonderful? <laughs> I'm keeping her. <laughs> but as, as kind as glory is to me, my lack of patience is still sin. Impatience is sin against God and others. So, Pastor Allen, can you give me some examples of of what it means to be patient in in terms of suffering? Well, yes, I can. James 5, verse 10 says, For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The Old Testament prophets ceaselessly spoke about God's word and 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 yet the 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 crowds they just kept heaping abuse on them think of moses anybody want to be moses think about this it's actually it's actually it's actually kind of funny but it's at the same time it's just like terrible they're in egypt they're crying out to god for help and god sends them moses and moses comes to deliver the Israelites and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says, "Uh uh-uh. And what Pharaoh does is he unleashes the anger of God. And you know the story, the 10 plagues. And those plagues, they hurt the Israelites but didn't touch, or hurt the, the, the Egyptians but didn't touch the Israelites. And then finally, Moses says, okay, this is it. The ten plagues have come through. And God's going to deliver you. And all of Israel, it says they, they plundered the Egyptians. In other words, the, Israel, the Israelites were given money and jewelry and gold from the Egyptians. They're just saying, get out of here. Take our wealth. Take whatever you want. But get out of here. We're sick and tired of you Israelites and all the pain and suffering you brought upon us. And so the children of Israel, they're all packed up. They got, they got the... The station wagon is packed up. They're ready to go. And then Pharaoh's armies come chasing after them. And now, again, they're crying out to God. They're upset with Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die? And Moses is like, he cries out to God again. God puts that pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night between them and the Egyptians. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw a column of fire following me around wherever I went, I'd be pretty pretty happy. But apparently, it wasn't enough for the Israelites. Again, they're crying out against Moses. They're mad at Moses. If I were Moses, I'd say, you know what, you people? I don't need this. (laughs) I I don't need this garbage. I need to take this from you. But what does he do? He says, I'll I'll pray, God, help us. We're... We've got the pharaohs behind us. We've got the sea before us. Like, we're, we're stuck. We're between a rock and a hard place, literally, Lord. I mean, really, God? Is this really what you wanted? And next thing you know, God says, take your staff and touch the water, and the water separates. And the children of Israel go through on dry ground. And now the pharaoh and his armies are now deciding they're gonna follow after the Israelites. They're, they're so dumb. But now the children of Israel are scared again. Oh, no, they're coming to get us. They're coming across. And Moses says, just a minute, let's pray. And the water comes in and drowns the armies of Pharaoh. And you would think, what more proof do you need? Right? right. Wrong. And the next thing you know, Israel's, Israel is complaining because Moses has gone up the mountain, and they're saying, well, he's been gone for 40 days. Is he ever going to come back? Make for us a God. And so Aaron, that Aaron, what a dummy, honestly. <laughs> Moses, Moses' brother. He says, Aaron says, give me all your gold, and I'll make for you a golden calf that you can worship. This is what Moses is up the mountain getting instructions from God about how to be holy people. So Moses is on his way down, and he hears singing and celebrating. He gets there with the, with the Ten Commandments, with all the instructions from God that, by the way, is all laid out for us in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He gets there, and here's the people. They've forgotten about Moses and God, and they're worshiping a golden calf. They can't hear their prayers. It can't speak. It's deaf It's dumb. It doesn't do anything. And the people are worshiping this golden calf. Moses is furious. He was a long suffering dude, but man, this time he lost his temper and he shattered the Ten Commandments, which meant what? You have to go back up the mountain again. <laughs> and this is the pattern of Israel over and over and over and over again. Rather than being patient with God, they kept testing him and saying, God, you're not going to come through for us. You're not coming through for us. You're not coming through for us. Why do you think this story was put in the Scripture, my friends? It's to teach us how to trust God. They get to the very, very edge of the promised land, the land that God had promised to them. Send in the spies Like, you know, everybody knows this story, but I want you to think about it. Send in the spies. The spies go in, they come out, the 12. Two say, yes, let's do it, we can do it. 10 say, there's no way. We are like grasshoppers before them. They are giants. There's no way we have a chance. And the people of Israel now are angry at Moses again. God wants to wipe them out. But Moses, in his patience, says, no, Lord. If you're gonna wipe them out, then wipe me out too. God's testing uh, Moses. And God says to the children of Israel, because you kept testing me, because you wouldn't believe, because you wouldn't trust me, because you wouldn't be patient, you are going to lose the promise. It goes now to your children. Now, wonder this morning, what are you in danger of losing? Because of your lack of patience. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you today for teaching us from your word what it is to have patience. We see that Jesus was the ultimate man who had and manifested true patience long-suffering. It was in his power to be impatient if he wanted to, but he was patient every single time. And God, we, each and every one of us, faces things just like this on a daily basis. And it's for this reason we need your Spirit to work in us and through us and empower us, O God, to reflect Christ in our long-suffering, in our patience. Help us not to be like the children of Israel, impatient with the leader, impatient with God, impatient with one another, impatience everywhere. But help us rather, we pray, to be Christ-like, to be truly spiritual people who are patient in everything we say, everything we do, in our attitude, in our treatment of others. And God, we know that we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, so Spirit of the living God have your way in your people this day. And we ask this in the name of our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, the one who is sanctifying us and making us like Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go be patient.